Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Cigar Snob Podcast. I am Nick Jimenez, the senior editor of Cigar Snob Magazine. I am here with Eric. Yo. Our editor-in-chief and publisher, and Ivan. Hola, amigos. Our photography editor. Photography? Photography. Um, so, there, there's really no easy way to ease into this, but we would be remiss not to start this episode of the podcast with what is uh, undoubtedly the biggest news in the cigar world um, this week. And that is the uh, the death of Jose Orlando Padron, who is the patriarch of the Padron cigar family, legendary um, for their quality and their consistency. He was 91 years old, um, and and I know he he was one of those figures who who has been around long enough and um, and who who people respected enough that he he meant a lot to a lot of people even outside of his own his own company. Um, Unfortunately, I, I, I didn't never had a chance to, to interact with him a whole lot, at least not while he was more active. Uh, I've, I've been with Cigar Snob since the end of 2013, or the beginning of 2013. But Eric, I know that uh, before I came on full-time, you guys did a, a pretty big, you know, full profile of Jose Orlando. What was, um, what was your, your perspective on, on him and his, uh, his significance to the cigar world? Well, even before uh, we did that profile, you know, he was... Uh, he was a supporter of the magazine from very early on. He he meant a lot to the Little Havana community, the cigar smoking community. Before cigars got, I should say, before the boom, uh, they were, you know, they were, they were it. I, as a little kid, my grandfather would send me. I'd spend summers with my grandfather, and uh, and as a little kid, he would send me to go on my bike to uh, the cafeteria, the nearby. Uh, here in Miami, we have these cafeterias, but they're they're not cafeterias. They're little restaurants with a window outside, and they all carried Padron. So it was my daily routine in the summers to get on my bike, go buy the two Padrones for my grandfather. And uh, so I've known about Padron. I've been uh, secondhand smoking Padron <laughs> since I was a little kid. Uh, so, yeah, that company's always had a, a special place uh, for us here in Cigar Snob and, and he himself, as a as a subject of uh, that interview we did years ago, he was he couldn't have been more gracious. Uh, we loved it. I mean, we loved every minute of it. His jokes. He, when you just hung out, and I I posted on social media about it uh, when it was just you and him in his office uh, smoking a cigar. Uh, there was nothing better, right? The guy was just a treasure trove of stories about, and he, he was self deprecating in the humor and. And he'd make fun of all his friends and, and make fun of you in the process. And it, it was, he was just a, a real dude and he was a good guy to be around. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're going to miss him dearly. How about yeah. you, Ivan? Yeah, I think he's, um, he's definitely going to be missed. Uh, I was able to attend the um, celebration of life uh, they held for him at the uh, Biltmore Hotel. Um, and um, yeah, it's a tremendous loss to his family and to everybody that he touched in the cigar industry because the turnout was incredible and there was a lot of uh, a lot of heavy hearts in the crowd. So yeah, no, and uh, like I said, I, I started here uh, a little late to to have interacted with him a whole lot, but uh, uh, 
George Padron and I graduated from the same high school, which I know, Eric, you, you give me a little bit of shit about that connection. We were from the same weird little mafia-like all-boys uh, high school. And um, the, the priest, who's now the president of the school, uh, I, I know his, his routine for a while. I don't know whether he's cool with me putting this out there publicly, but I guess this is the one forum where it won't be controversial. Is uh, he, he gets up in the morning, he smokes Padron while he prays. That's like his prayer hourglass. And then he, um, he goes and greets the kids as they, as they begin to arrive at the school. Um, and I, I know, you know, him being a part of that, that community, it, it's, it's not, it's, it's that, it's Little Havana. It's, you know, they, they've been a fixture, um, not just in the cigar world, but in South Florida in general for, for a long time. So uh, luckily, he, you know, he seems to have done a pretty good job of, uh, of instilling a lot of that passion in the rest of the family. And we can be pretty confident that it'll... It'll keep going for at least another generation, if not more. Um, so, speaking of excellence in cigars, uh, we are on the cusp, right? And we were smoking. Eric, you tell us what we're. I'm, unfortunately, I'm feeling a little under the weather, so I passed on the cigar. But the two of you are smoking what? So we're smoking a, a in honor of uh, Jose Orlando Padron. We're smoking a Padron Serie 1926 uh, number six. Lovely freaking cigar, right? I mean, it's just chocolate and pepper and smooth as all get out. If you've never had it, I mean, uh, I don't know. This is that would be a ridiculous thing, right? If you if you never if you've never had a Padron, you know what? I'm I'm always surprised though by how yeah. many people you come across who've never had some of these like staple cigars. Um, yeah, this is like a this is the gold standard. It, well, I mean, it, in terms of, of Nicaraguan, yes, right. Yeah. In terms of Nicaraguan. Cigar, flavorful Nicaraguan cigar. It's just, it's what you go to. Yeah, right? and it's one of those cigars, like so many others of theirs, that if if what you want is to illustrate to somebody who has not done a lot of exploring, what it tastes and smells like to smoke really well aged tobacco. That's it. That's it. That's that's what you think of, or it's it's among the cigars for sure that you think of when you think of really well aged tobacco in a cigar. Yeah, and, you know, and being, you know, working in this magazine, we always get that question from friends and extended friends and family. Hey, I have to give a, a gift, you know, but I really need to impress this guy. And this is always in your top five. Yeah. Right? Maybe not the specific Vitola because it's a Robusto, but but the Padron uh, 1926 Serie is always going to be in your in your top five of recommendations. Hey, you want to impress somebody? Yeah, go with that. For sure. They're, they're going to love it. And, and you know what the other funny thing is, you find cigars, not real cigar smokers, guys that are novices, and I've had this on multiple occasions where they're like, man, I smoked this one thing, it was like a little, it was like square, and it was dark, man, I, I don't smoke a lot of cigars, but holy crap, that was good, and you're always like, was it this? Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that that has happened on multiple occasions, and I always, I always laugh when that happens, because that, when you create a product that... That everyday smokers, people who are experienced smokers, love. And then a novice who smokes one cigar a year tells you, I don't know what the hell that was, but that was pretty awesome. Well, you really got something, right? Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, that's, that's what we're smoking right now. Uh, I'm sorry if that makes you jealous. All right. <laughs> but... So, uh, uh, what I was clumsily getting into before, speaking of, uh, of excellence in cigars, uh, we are now in December, which means that we are on the cusp 
of January and the annual list of the top 25 cigars of the year. So in anticipation of that, we thought we'd get into a little bit of a discussion of uh, kind of a behind the curtain thing. Sure. Uh, Eric, tell us a little bit about uh, what that process looks like uh, in terms of narrowing all of the things that we've rated over the course of the year to a top 25. And, um, and also, I, th- I think one of the things that, uh, at least that I've heard, is some curiosity as to why we haven't been doing it uh, longer. I don't know that there's necessarily a reason why, but, you know, it, it is a relatively new thing for us, right? We, we started, the, the first top 25 list was, was when? 2014. 2014. Yeah. So, uh, so it's a relatively new thing. So, yeah, I was here for the first top 25 list. Yep. Um, what are some of the things that we've, how is it that we do it now? And what are some of the things that we've learned over the years that we've been doing it about maybe how to, uh, how to address that? Because it is a pretty big undertaking. It is. It is. But first, I think we have to give a little bit of background into how we do ratings in general. So when we rate cigars, we taste blind from a group, a pre-selected group that are of the same size, shape, and similar taste profile. So, for example, we would take, if we were doing this uh, Padron uh, 1926, that would, and it's a, it's a number six Vitola, which is a, a Robusto, so it's a Maduro Robusto, it would be grouped with other Maduro Robustos of medium to full strength. Which is right? something that other magazines, as far as we know, do not do. Correct. As far as, far as we know, no one else does it that way. We think it gives each profile type or taste profile group a better shot because it gives you a frame of reference when you're tasting one Maduro after another, after another, after another. It, it, gives, you a, it gives the panelist a better frame of reference of what he liked best uh, and what things stood out. And it, it makes it easier to highlight the differences. So anyway, that's how we do regular ratings. When it comes to top 25, we we funnel it into only 91 and up. So 91 rated and up cigars and higher, I should say. 91 and higher are the candidates for the top 25 list. So we take that. We remove dupes because sometimes you have multiple 91s and 92s and 93s of the same exact brand but different Vitolas. So we take the highest rated of that. Uh, then we start to taste all and not grouped by, again, taste profile Vitola. We just taste them all one after another, after another, after another. And now your frame of reference is different. Now your frame of reference is, okay, these are all the best cigars of last year. Now how do they stack up against the other best cigars of last year, regardless of whether it's medium to full, whether it's a a mild cigar, it doesn't matter at that point. Now they're all together in one giant hopper, let's say. But it is a massive undertaking, right? We have to smoke a lot. And I know that sounds, to if you're listening to this podcast, you're a cigar smoker, that sounds like, oh, awesome. You're smoking the best cigars of last year all over again. Yeah, it is awesome. But it is a lot of smoking. (laughs) Just a lot nonstop smoking. So you're smoking at all times trying to figure out what was the best cigar of last year. So then we, we compile all those uh, ratings and comments, and we use the, the mathematical system that we already been using all this time, and we arrive at the best cigar of last year. Yeah. It is it is a massive undertaking, also fun, 
uh, and it's 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 exciting for us to see. Man, I, the other thing is that ch- cigars change over time. Sometimes you'll, uh, and that's happened to us a couple times, where you taste a cigar and it got a let's say a ninety two in the in the March issue, and now you're tasting it again in December, November, December, and you're like, wow, this is a completely different cigar. And so sometimes you look at that as a reader and you don't realize you say, man, I smoked that cigar. That was awesome. (coughs) And so why did it complete? It was nowhere near the top 25. What happened? Well, what happened is it it may have changed. Sometimes they change for the better too. So do you want to speak towards the, um, the way? No, I want to speak towards the mic. Only speaking towards the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let me get back to what I was saying. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, do you want to speak to the weight that uh, the newness of a release oh, thank carries? You, man. Thank because you. I think thank that you. can That's get huge. confusing because you can give no. certain cigars the top. That's top why. Spots that's why we keep you around, year. Ivan. Yeah. That's why, yeah. buddy. No, seriously, thank you though. Uh, yeah, there is there is one other tweak when it comes to top twenty five, and that is the new cigars that were released during that year get a higher weighting. So even after all of the other factors have been taken into account, we do give uh, an extra kick to cigars that were released during that year. So, and the reason we do that is to keep it fresh, right? So a new cigar that was released during that year has a little bit more merit than the same cigar over and over and over. So whenever you see a, a brand that's an established brand and it's up there in the top 10 or top five, uh, that means that you know that cigar is really outstanding. It may not have been number one, uh, but the fact that it's up there so high, uh, really, is it means that regardless of weight or any of that stuff, it still got up there that high. So Padron is is an example. Is a is a Fuente, perfect example. Fuente, Fuente is another example. Always in yep. the running. Uh, the Oliva Milanos are always up there because they just they perform well every single time. Right. So. Do you have any yeah. favorites from from our oh, that's a good top twenty five list? That's a good question. Because like everybody's that. got their own different palettes. Like we we might not all have. If it were just like Nick's top twenty five or Eric's or Ivan's, Ivan, do you have any favorites uh, from? The, I know you got the most recent top twenty five list in front of you. Do you have anything that jumps out as like? Well, some of the the number ones that come to mind that were my favorites were uh, the Davidoff Nicaragua when that first was released. I thought that was, you know, an excellent cigar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the My Father H two K. Uh, another great release. Yeah, the uh, Fuente Angel Share. Oh, wow, awesome. outrageous cigar. H2K, man, awesome. Oliva Melania was our first number one, uh, and we still love that cigar. So, and and last year's last year's is an excellent smoke. The, the La Misión de la Telier is uh, it's still one of my go tos this year. I just I constantly smoke that cigar. If I'm at a cigar store and uh, just hanging out. I find myself gravitating towards that cigar all the time. I love it. Yeah. So. I, I know I, I've, before I came uh, to Cigar Snob, I was uh, heavy on, on Padron and Fuente. Um, and I, I, I like Rocky Patel cigars, but it was never quite like the my go-to profile. Uh, but the one that jumps out to me uh, from our top 25 list, just because it was sort of a, uh, it was only because I was here that I was exposed to it, and I was like, "Oh shit! Here's here's a product from from Rocky that like I really fell in love with." It was Royale. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what number we ranked it, but it was up in the top five somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, and I remember, you know, having 
smoked it here when we were tasting it and during the ranking process and all that. And and I, I, I picked that up, you know, a lot of the time that, yeah. I, that I come across so, it. Creamy, um, flavorful cigar. We, yeah, we, we dig that smoke. Which I, I think is part of the cool thing about this process, right, is that you sort of end up, uh, as much of a chore as it can feel like sometimes, you end up with these like mental notes that you can kind of go back to that you might never have come across certain things if you weren't, you know, deliberately smoking with that kind of analytical um, it, approach. And something to be said for just smoking blind. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I tell people all the time when I'm in stores and they want to talk about ratings and whatnot, I tell them, just let me, let me give you five cigars blind. Yeah. Let me just pick out five for you and I'm going to floor you. You're you're just going to, you're not going to know what the hell they are. And you'll be surprised what the result is, you know? Yeah. We and, do the same thing with wines. And it shows how versatile a lot of these guys are, you know, the, these cigar makers are. You know, I think a lot of people who, who love Rocky, if they were smoking Royale Blind, might not associate that with Rocky. And, and people who love that, like, chocolatey, not that peppery thing like I do, would, you know, if, if you told me Rocky, it, it, it part of why I fell in love with it was that surprise factor, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And... And so you sort of discover a lot of things about these people and, and, and these factories that, that you might not otherwise. So pretty cool uh, pretty cool process. Well, so uh, look for the ratings. It'll be early January, right? Yep. It'll Somewhere be, around the 6, 7, around there. Right. And that'll be the top 25. And uh, you're going to see that on the website. And that'll be for sure something that you know people will be chatting about and arguing about in cigar shops and, and all that, hopefully letting us in on whatever controversies are generated um but if I, I would also say look out for it even if you're not an avid smoker and you come across this podcast look out for that magazine in particular because i think it's kind of a cool uh, it's a cool list to go through sure um yeah you're not gonna i mean you're gonna like everything that's there it may right. not be your favorite because you may you may have different preferences but you're going to enjoy everything that's on that list and, and it's good as a buying guide for Absolutely. at least the rest of the year if not beyond that so um Shifting gears pretty radically. Uh, last time that we recorded one of these podcasts, when we got into the sports arena, we were talking ACC championship. I will spare uh, <laughs> spare us the the misery of uh, reliving that of reliving that game, <laughs> yeah. uh, and instead uh, talk more fa- misery. Talk my fantasy football. I'm not in last place, guys. No dress. <laughs> I'm in the playoffs. Nice. Ivan is. In the playoffs, no dress. Um, what what were what what'd you there, do? Yeah, what, you what just happened? got lucky. What were the moves? I was a first place team, and I ended up coming in the last playoff spot. And the first week of playoffs, I actually pulled out a win. So I'm in the final. Who four came now. through for you? I don't know. A couple guys. <laughs> couple, couple guys. I don't want to get into to details, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the playoffs, and I'm. That is so Ivan right there. Yeah. A couple guys. Couple guys, yeah. Couple guys. All right. Um, so less good, less good news. Although I don't know if for the rest of us it's good news that Ivan won't be in a dress. I know. I know. What are you gonna do? Um, you guys are both uh, baseball fans. Thoughts on the Stanton move and other such Marlins transactions? Uh, I know there was, there were high hopes or at least optimism just for change in general because Loria. Past Marlins owner was highly unpopular. Yes. Um, and what's your so outlook here? David Sampson, right? The president right. of the team. What's your outlook here? Because I know especially you, Eric, tend to be a little more measured in your reactions to these things that other people can be 
very passionate about in the sports world. Um, well, I had a I had a disconcerting conversation. Is that a word? Yeah. Uh, with uh, with Gary Sheffield, uh, I was at Rocky Patel Burn, and I said, Gary, what's going on with the Mar? You know, Gary Sheffield, the ex Marlin great, and uh, they were there promoting the the Gary Sheffield and Ray Lewis cigar, and so he said, if you think it was bad before, get ready for ten years of bad. And I thought, what the hell are you ten. talking about? This is before the Stanton deal. Before the Stanton deal. And he, he said, look, you know, they bought the team with a $400 million debt. I'm, I'm, this is from my conversation with him. So right there, he said, you've got four years of shitty payroll, right? Bottom of the barrel payroll just to recoup that debt. Uh, and, and then you've got to rebuild from that point. So it doesn't look good. Honestly, does yeah. not look good. And Derek Jeter went from, oh, man, we got Derek Jeter, Papa, as our president. Yeah, no, no one is liking Derek Jeter right now after getting rid of Stanton. Now they're all the collusion memes and all that stuff. Yeah, man. So so that's rough. That's rough on Marlins fans. Uh, I, I hear they got a decent pitcher back. Uh, one of the young guys that they got back, he's uh, I hear he throws 105, which is rarefied air. But... Uh, but still, man, you just, you, that's a lot of home runs that just walked out of that clubhouse, right? Yeah. It's just a sack of home runs that just walked out. I hear they got a six pack and a bag of chips in return for Stanton. Well, they got Sterling Castro, who they're, I'm sure, dealing. So uh, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. I don't think we want to bring people down with this, Nick. All right. Sorry. Well, you know, not all of our audience is Miami. There might be other people who, who, who laugh at this. We might have some Yankee fans listening. Who oh, are, my God. They're throwing a party. You got Judge and Stanton on the yeah. same lineup. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, so shifting gears to actually something that has a, an element of of not great to it. So I, yeah, not to be a downer. Is this a not great podcast? I know. I know. But uh, I, I was just in Boston. For uh, for coverage for an upcoming travel story that's going to be in the magazine. Uh, so just some notes. I know the two of you had been before, although it had, it had been a while, no. Mm-hmm. And this was my first time in Boston. Um, I was shocked uh, of all the places that I've traveled, whether for cigar snob or otherwise. This was far and away the least active closest to non-existent cigar scene, which was surprising to me for a city that's so old and historic, uh, where there's so much diversity and such distinct neighborhoods and all that. Um, There was a lot to love about Boston, but before we get into some of that, just wanted to pick your brains on... Uh, number one, what have your experiences been like in Boston? Do you have recommendations or things that you remember fondly from the trip? And also, what does it say uh, that Boston's cigar scene is the way that it is uh, in terms of just the the cigar industry? Uh, what can be done about it, if anything? Where should our focus be? Because Boston is, uh, at least in terms of major markets, I, I was oblivious, but Boston looks like a worst case scenario, mm-hmm. even compared to other pretty restrictive places. Like, I mean, LA looks like Tampa. paradise. LA, yeah. LA looks like Ybor city compared to Boston. Yeah, absolutely does. Uh, yeah. Well, my recommendations have all closed, so I can't even give you best places to go smoke. I mean, yeah. Stanza de Cigari is, uh, is the one sort of holdout. 
where well, you can still go. But even eating or whatever else you, you know, whatever you remember really loving about Boston. So, uh, great restaurant, Craigie on Main. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but I loved it. Uh, highly recommend that place. Uh, in, ter- in terms of defunct cigar places, uh, what was that? Bo- was it called Boylestown? No, Boylston Street Cafe. What? No. Anyway, uh, Cigar Masters I loved. Uh, what was the name of that other store? You, you talk about the other recommendations, Ivan. I'll get you that name. I don't remember many of oh, the, I got it in the uh, cigar, cigar shops, but uh, I just remember how great the people were and all the bars we hung out in. Uh, again, from a sports perspective, everybody was so knowledgeable and so passionate about their New England sports. As much as I hate the Patriots, yeah, and got snow jobbed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Gloucester Street—that was the place. Gloucester Street Cigar Company, man, they got—they had such a selection of of boutiques when when boutiques were still not terribly popular that was back in 2009 that we went to to boston so cigar masters great experience there that's why i had boylston because that's what street it was on but uh i remember we had uh mike Lowe. uh mike Lowe came in and, and hung out with us mike Lowe went to high school with us so uh hung out smoked a cigar with us at at cigar masters anyway it's sad it's it's sad to to walk around boston and not find i mean you've got the oldest retailer in the country lj peretti yep and then and then there's there's not a lot more yeah in like boston proper right and what now, else was and there? now the weed industry is going yeah you can smoke weed anywhere that's crazy yeah they've got medicinal medicinal pot up there so you walk through parks and you can smoke weed no problem but you smoke a cigar walking through a park and it was cold enough that we didn't run into that issue very much because a couple of miami guys uh yeah. i was there with andy our art director who uh is is even more averse to cold weather than than most of the rest of us, but uh, but yeah, the whether you go, there was one shop in in uh, downtown Boston which was L J Peretti. There was um, uh, uh, Levitt and Pierce. And that's over by Harvard, right? Over by Harvard in Cambridge, uh, and then there was in the North End Stanza. Um, but outside of that, man, it was maybe you'll find a humidor every year. Sledding, yeah, pretty pretty tough. On the other hand. Uh, there were some great things that I was uh, almost equally surprised by how walkable and how easy to get around Boston was. So um, that was a pretty good experience there. We had a great uh, Italian meal at a place a block away from Stanza called Brico, B-R-I-C-C-O. Highly recommend that. Um, did you do a Mike's Pastry? We did not. We didn't get around to Mike's Pastry. So one of the, you know, sort of like... I told the you whole, not to come back without one. I know, I know. Kind of like what you were saying about, you know, uh, smoking the top 25 cigars and and all that kind of it. Believe it or not, even for uh, luckily, this is an audio format thing. But if this were visual, you would see that I, I've had my share of pastries. Um, <laughs> and even for me, some of these travel things can be a bit of a chore because you're constantly looking for things to recommend. And for a cigar magazine, that means eat, smoke, drink, eat, smoke, drink, eat, smoke, drink. Yeah. Um, so oh, Mike's poor you. I know, I know. Poor Mike, you. I, I was too loaded with uh, with risotto from Brico <laughs> to get around to Mike's pastry, uh, but we'll have to leave that for another time. Uh, unfortunately, we're also we were with Andy, who has a shellfish allergy, so that limited um, you. It limited the chowder. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Boston, all in all, was was great. Uh, but you know, fair warning to anybody who hasn't been, expect tough sledding. Like Eric said, uh, if you're if you're a cigar smoker, you. 
you're going to end up at Stanza, uh, which is which is a great little spot, uh, but that's where you're going to be. So, um, let's check in on these Padrones. Unfortunately, I don't have anything to contribute, but what do you guys have to say yeah, so far? Yeah, I mean, if you could see this, it's like a little chocolate bar yeah. with a with a solid clump of white ash on the end of it. And, and that's kind of what it tastes like. It's, again, it, these cigars are ultra consistent. They always are. Uh, you get chocolate and pepper, and maybe you get some, like, dark cherry or, or raspberry uh, notes in there in the background. But dark chocolate, espresso, pepper... And it's and it it's the whole way through. You're getting the same thing, and it's if you like that profile, which I happen to love, you're you're loving it. It's like a smokable dessert. Right. Yeah, I love it too. It's a, that same profile that I that I always like to pull for. And every time somebody asks me, "Do you like that cigar?" I mean, what do you like about it? I always say it's one of the few cigars that I always smoke all the way down to the nub, and I'll and yeah. I'll like pinch it at the end, and I'll smoke as much of like. As I can of it because I love it so much. So yeah, it's a great, it's a great stick. Very cool. All right. So uh, we're gonna round this one out here. Now that we've pretty uh, given this ringing endorsement to this padrone, uh, what else do you guys have to recommend? We're gonna leave people with some parting recommendations. It could be anything. Could be eat here, read this, watch this, do this. What are some things that you've what done? What you got, Ivan? Yeah. What you got in the back of your head? All right. So. I haven't purchased many things for myself recently because I'm looking ahead towards Christmas. So I'm buying. What about the glasses? What about how did the how did the glasses do from last podcast? I haven't, haven't haven't played with them yet. Oh. Haven't played with them. As soon as I play with them, Boom. I'll tell you how great how great they were. How but many uh, for people who who didn't catch the last episode, we were talking about some sunglasses that you sure. that you'd bought, and they're supposed to take ten strokes off your game. Oakley Prism golf glasses will take ten strokes off your game, but guaranteed. You, but so. you can't. You can't stand behind that statement, personally. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. But I will. All right. Uh, so, again, I didn't purchase any gadgets aside from those glasses because uh, I am buying Christmas <clears throat> gifts. But I did have some cheese that mm. I had that's great. One of our panelists here is not going to be tasting this cheese because he doesn't eat any dairy product. But go try the Sartori Montamore cheese this thing is amazing you'll probably find that at most supermarkets across the country so it's something that's widely available what it's kind a, of cheese is it? it's a i think it's a parmesan style is what they describe it it's from wisconsin so i thought they only made cheddar there but this thing is parmesan inspired which is how it's classified anyways it's fruity it's nutty thing is delicious you can put it on you can just cut it up put it on toast you can put it in a sandwich you can crumble it up put it in salads whatever you Look want at you this making thing cheese recommendations delicious oh, yeah. well which you won't be having no so. i won't <laughs> I, I will say as a as a one-time resident of wisconsin i, I was surprised by how good cheese because it's one of those things that you hear people talk about wisconsin cheese and i think until you've been there or maybe until you've been to vermont it's you haven't quite wrapped your head around just how good American cheese from America, not American cheese, but cheese from America can be. So, uh, so it's cool to see some of that stuff making it out of Wisconsin because we don't tend to get a lot of that stuff here. Wow, there. Ivan with the cheese. Ivan with the cheese. So uh, I just got back from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, I love that town. Bought some art. Uh, I think that's what everybody does when they go there. But. Uh, 
but we went to this one restaurant, Coyote Cafe, Coyote. Uh, wow. Outrageous. Had the elk tenderloin and just, I want to go back just for that. I'm not kidding. I don't want to buy any more art, but I want to go back just for that elk tenderloin. Uh, just, uh, if you've ever had elk, I don't know, I don't have it a lot, but this was the best I've ever had. So, highly recommend that, Coyote Cafe. Uh, reading, I am currently reading Shoe Dog, the story of uh, Phil Knight from Nike. Recommend it. It's fun to see uh, the history of that company, all the, the troubles they had early on, and even in their heyday, they were still having all kinds of trouble. So, uh, it's nice to see that other companies uh, that are going through that and persevere and, and become a global brand, a household name. So, uh, it's a cool story. Shoe Dog is my recommendation. Recommended reading. Uh, one last thing. On the flight, I saw, because of Ivan's recommendation, Atomic Blonde. Charlize Theron. Good Lord. Good Lord, she's hot. Uh, the movie is fu It's a fun movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. So, thank you for the recommendation. Made the flight from New Mexico a little easier. Should have had it with the cheese. Would have been better. Would have been better. Pairing. Good, perfect, very true. Perfect Good. pairing for next issue. <laughs> How about you, Nick? So, uh, the last time that we did this, I recommended a YouTube video called Slippery Stairs. Oh, I have not seen it. You got to catch the Slippery Stairs. Um, I'm going to stick with the YouTubes. Uh, this time around, I think a lot of people might have come across a video that, uh, that went viral maybe at some point in the last month. It was a, a rap video titled, I'm Not Racist, um, which was actually a very well-written thing, whether you agree or disagree with whatever the perspective is, but very well-written thing. Um, by a rapper called Joyner Lucas, J-O-Y-N-E-R, last name Lucas. And uh, it brought a lot of attention to him, but I'm not sure that too many people have heard his other stuff. And it is good. Um, so if you're a rap fan, check out Joyner Lucas. Highly recommend that. Um, especially if you're into like old 90s and early 2000s stuff. Uh, and since Eric made two recommendations, I will also make a second recommendation. I am reading sort of an old book, but Thomas Sowell's uh, Basic Economics. Uh, so Thomas Sowell was uh, like the protege of Milton Friedman. Yep. And basic economics is uh, so far haven't like gotten to anything mind blowing, but he's just really good at framing things in a way that is uh, easier to read than Milton Friedman. Easier to read than Milton <laughs> Friedman. So very like plain language, uh, plain language stuff, um, and it's it's about as fun as reading economics can get. So recommend that as well. Um, and with that, unless we have any parting thoughts. Eric is watching. Yeah. I'm sure having Can a I give mind you audio? blown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slippery Stairs. That is Slippery Stairs, everybody. So that is Slippery Stairs. Again, run a YouTube search for Japanese Slippery Stairs, uh, and you will, you're in for a good time. All right. Thank you very much. All right, guys. See Go out there and smoke up a drone. Yep.